Hi, I'm Allie. And I'm Callie. And we're with the Coeur d'Alene Arts and Culture Alliance. And we're back together again with another art cast. Yay! And one of my favorite, actually two of my favorite people, Callie Aww. and Kristen, our producer. Hi, Kristen. <laughs> Hi, <Hello>. Kristen. <laughs> How are you? I am well. How are you guys doing? <laughs> we are doing great. Doing Ooh, great. That was kind of like the burn butter. <laughs> burn, burn butter. butter. <laughs> Long story. We'll tell you later. Yeah, we'll tell you that later. Anyway. (laughs) So how's it going with your artwork? I Uh, hear you've been doing some cool projects in your garage. I have. I've been working in the studio, um, getting ready for the art studio tour, so there's lots to choose from. Right. But um, I've got this piece that I, it's really cool. It's a live edge piece with some resin. I can't tell you. It's so pretty. The wood is so pretty. I can't stand it. It's like, oh my gosh. The picture that you showed me is yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, it's really interesting. And the piece turned out to be, it's very uh, artistic. Right. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, unintentionally, it looks like a woman. I yeah, mean, that's weird. And uh, I love it. So, But anyway. you know what? You, I could see where, I see where what you're talking about with the woman but i also it could see be a it. Man. it could it's also just very abstract i it is very abstract i i wanted to call it i think I, my first thought was man in the wilderness Ooh. and then uh, because of the wood and the grain in the wood it's really beautiful and then i was like well it doesn't have to be a man you know right. and then i was then i looked at the heart and then it looked like melancholy because oh. the face is very kind of sad uh-huh. And then I was like, oh, man, Downer, Debbie Downer. <laughs> I was like, I need to rethink this. Hopefully. But then I, I will say today I put on a second coat of the tabletop, uh, the top of the resin to make it really shiny and really clear and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I put on this uh, Tupperware, giant bin Tupperware, and the resin was beautiful. No hairs, no dust. Put on the lid. <laughs> and then just flying dust and hair and I was like oh my god so you I should have cleaned the bin I first I should have cleaned the bin <laughs> I, lesson learned turn your bin over <laughs> so the dust doesn't collect in it before you put it on top of your resin piece so that is my little art tip for today oh there you go <laughs> art tip there you go my art tip is go do something which <laughs> i have go. had a project on my loom because yes. i love weaving Your stuff and i have great. not done anything with it for months mm-hmm. but um you'll I get back to work, it i will it's um it's a really pretty weaving mm-hmm. and i'm very excited about it but apparently not excited enough to go and do some to more get work on, on that it. i but, know well do you I'll, have to sit down or stand up when you i weave? have to i sit sit definitely sit so maybe with your little back issue maybe that's one of the reasons you don't want i think to. that's exactly why I See, haven't let's been say that it. yeah okay that <laughs> works for me so uh kristen you got something fun for us to do today well i thought it'd be kind of fun if we um maybe played a little game a game, <gasps> a game. it's not really a game game okay. as much as it is that i'll ask you guys some questions okay okay and you just have to See answer them see what we come them. up with Okay, you know I'm not very quick on the draw, so I'll try to be brilliant, but I can't promise anything. Okay, so here's the first question for you. Is okay. this a drinking game? No, <laughs> not yet. Maybe later. Maybe, okay. maybe we'll, we'll... Where's that scotch? <laughs> Darn it. All right. Where's that wine? All right. Um, all right, here, first question. Okay. If you could ask advice from any historical figure, who would it be 
And what would you ask them? Ooh. Advice. Historical. Well, I love Katherine Hepburn. Ooh. What would I ask her? Why, maybe, why she and Spencer, what's his name? Tracy. Tracy never got married. Because he was Catholic. No, I, I did not <laughs> See, I answered Which is your really, question. <laughs> I want to say dumb, but I don't want to offend any Catholics no, out there. No, no, no. I Let's mean, you see. should marry the person that you love, right? Right. But I anyway, agree. yeah. So um, is Catherine Hepburn like agnostic or something was she could she not marry a catholic or no it was spencer tracy wouldn't get divorced he couldn't get divorced oh okay see i don't know so the history instead, of this he and Catherine hepburn lived had in an sin. affair <laughs> for years had yeah an affair? yeah oh, oh yeah yeah it's a oh, great yeah. love story what's better the divorce or the affair i don't know see it's crazy it is kind of crazy it doesn't make any sense and yeah was, anyway who would i ask boy that is hard off the cuff I should do something funny. Um, well, it takes a while just to think of a historical I know. figure. <laughs> historical figure. George Washington. Did yeah. those teeth hurt? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got. Okay. <laughs> I bet they hurt. Uh, I bet they did. <laughs> All right, here's a fun one. Okay. What's a movie you can practically quote from start to finish? Oh, my God. Love, actually. Oh, I have watched that movie so often. My husband wants to throw up every time I put it on. I love that movie. That's a good one. It's a good movie, and I probably can repeat it. Funny story, though. My son, Connor, who, um, when he was growing up, just he loved to play a lot by himself. And he loved the movie Hook. And he could repeat that movie almost verbatim. Mm -hmm. And he would play with his little, he had a Lego um, pirate ship. And he would play with that. And he would um, play, he would recite the movie with with his Legos. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh, mine would probably be um, Rocky Horror Picture Show. (laughs) You know, I've never seen that movie. You haven't? Oh, my gosh. That's what everybody says. Well, and and the older I get, the less I remember. But... uh, my husband, he's the one who remembers everything. And everything. I'll be like, could you just be quiet so I can enjoy the movie? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's a good question. Uh, so you know what mine would be. What? You, you'll love this, Kelly, because uh, you, were, you were kind of the opposite end of this. Uh-huh. Um, Steel Magnolias. Oh, I, oh, well, you do. Steel Magnolias. I love that. You know I love that movie. And the yeah. reason and this is play. funny is because she was in this play a yes. couple of years ago. And I was in the front row. <laughs> yes, Reciting all the lines. Yes, mouthing the <laughs> and words. And I was sitting next to Kristen. <laughs> I was like, what's happening? <laughs> Stop. That was fun. You are not in the show. Kristen. I got in so much trouble after the show was over. Oh just saying. God. Just saying. Funny. Okay, here, final question. Ready? Okay, okay. final question. <laughs> this is a good one. Okay. okay. And, you know, we, we might actually be the ones who have actually done this to each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, if anything, have you ever regifted? <laughs> Oh, I have the best story. Oh, good. So years and years ago, um, I got a bottle of wine from somebody, and it was all decorated. It had, it had, um, you know, happy anniversary or whatever was on it. I don't even remember, but it was obviously decorated as a gift to us. At least that's what I thought. So, um, but it was. A wine that I wasn't really interested in drinking, so I just put it aside. And um, then a couple years later, 
I went to a party mm -hmm. and decided to take that bottle of wine to the party. And it turns out it was that it was get originally from the woman that I gave it to, <laughs> who had given it to somebody else, who had given it to somebody else, who gave it to me, and then it ended up back at the person that decorated the bottle. Oh. Isn't that hilarious? Like, we what? had such a great laugh about that. It's good that everybody had a good enough sense of humor to think that was funny. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> that happens. Oh, I, you know, I, I can't think of a perfect regifting, but I can think of a, a return. <laughs> okay, when I was dating, in between husbands, I've had a few. Okay, that's another day, another story. But um, I was, dating, I went out with this guy who said we were just friends, just friends, because I wasn't ready to date anybody. But we would go have lunch when I worked at the law firm in Seattle, and we'd go have lunch, and he'd, he'd go, I'll pay, because he always made more money than me, and I was like, okay, but, I, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. So we went out to dinner one time, and, and I got extremely drunk. We, we ate at a really great restaurant on the wharf, you know, right on the water, and, oh, anyway. So he thought we were dating, and I was like, no, we are not dating. Well, he goes, but I bought you a Christmas present, and I'm like, oh, Oh, no, boy. no, we're just friends. So he he got me this, and I called him the next morning and said, oh, we are just friends. I'm telling you. I mean, nothing happened. I'm like, we are just friends. And uh, he got me this huge, like, silver-plated candlestick. Oh. It was from, the, remember the, I think it was called the Bon Marche or something. Yes. Yeah, Bon Marche. And I was like, what, what am I supposed to do? He says, just keep it. So I was like, I'm not keeping this. I don't want anything from him. I'm like, we. I told you we were friends. And then he tries for more, you know. So I go to the Bon Marche and I return it. It was worth $350. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Score. Score. Yeah. So I was like, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, you don't know that he actually bought it. He probably received it from an old <laughs> he, girlfriend. It was probably a gift. And it, he re it was he, it. It was his re-gift. He's like, you. what am I supposed to do with this? Oh, I'll give it to Callie. <laughs> She'll take it. She'll take anything. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that's my re-gifting. That's funny. So we're, we're kind of wanting to do, you know, fun games, fun questions. This, is, this has been fun. And while I'm sitting here and asking you guys these questions, I'm thinking, wouldn't it be fun if our listeners sent us questions? <gasps> That'd be yes. fun. Yes. Our podcast, our cast listeners. That's Listener right. Your questions. In, you could submit those questions to our Facebook page. Yeah, we could is. do it to the Facebook page, or you could send them via email. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, when we, um, so when we... You know, we'll send out an email address so that people can uh, send these in to us. It might be kind of right. fun. Probably the See. quickest one is Allie at artsandculturecda.org. Yeah. Correct. Definitely. Um, so that might be a fun little segment we'll have. Yeah. Well, thanks, Kristen. That up. was fun. That right. was fun. Well, I'm really looking forward to our next guest. Me too. He is something else, isn't he? He is something else. Add a little flair to your special events with Scraps Barbecue, a great catering choice for your next gathering. Specializing in golf tournaments, sporting events, and more, their commercial kitchen can be on site, or you can choose to have a fully catered meal delivered right to you. Known for their authentic Santa Maria style tri-tip and tequila lime fish tacos, they can customize the menu to meet your needs for groups of 20 to 2,500. 
contact Kevin at kevin at scrapsbarbecue.com or check them out on Facebook. Today, who are we talking with? Allie. Stephen Shortridge. Oh, I love Stephen Shortridge. You know, let's talk about Stephen Shortridge. He's a former actor who moved to Coeur d'Alene and made Coeur d'Alene his home, left Hollywood. I know. I know. I can't Do wait to hear this him? story. No. <laughs> Hollywood. It's a fun place to visit, though. I kind of like Hollywood. I mean, I get it, but I've actually never been to I, Hollywood, so I, don't know. Well, I, I, I can't say anything. The but traffic. There's a lot of things about it that right, I don't like, but right. it, it's kind of hard to beat Coeur d'Alene. So, but well, we're excited to have Stephen Shortridge in the house. Oh, thank you. Yay! Yay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Big crowd noise. Yeah. Yeah. So we're excited because you, not only were you an actor and you started all that, but then you also moved into art. So tell us, how did that come about? Well, I always was an artist, actually. Okay. So um, all the things that happened before I was an artist were just kind of in the way. Mm. <laughs> uh, but uh, I always did art and sports mm -hmm. in school. And, um, and, and, that's what I really enjoyed the most. Mm -hmm. uh, did the other subjects because I had to. Right. We'll talk about writing, but I wish I'd spent more time writing. Right. Although they might have taught me too many rules, and that's just not very good for creativity. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad I didn't. I think that's a really good point. Right. Well, we should talk. We'll talk about that, but it's true about art. Mm -hmm. um, I remember I took a, a lesson from a guy that I really admired, a Russian guy. And um, I, you know, it was probably over four, four or five days. Um, uh, Terry Lee was there too, I think, at that time. We went a couple times. I went, by the second time I went, I realized I was starting to paint like him. Mm. Oh. And I didn't want to do that. <laughs> what I wanted to do was learn everything he knew mm -hmm. um, that I could take and use for myself. But what was happening mm -hmm. was I was morphing into him. Mm -hmm. So I realized I can't really be taught by anybody because. It, it really interferes and interrupts your your growth mm -hmm. as an individual person becoming the kind of authentic voice that you would think of an artist in any form of creativity, whether it's you know writing or singing or mm -hmm. music or, and, and art in particular, but they're all the same. You have to be very careful when you're being educated by people that they're not trying to make clones. Right. I remember I was at a you know, I had the drawing class and thing over Terry's, and mm -hmm. they were, you know, it's a long time ago now, it's probably 25 years ago, but um, there were several people that were had gone to the LA Art Design School, which is very prestigious. Yeah. Gosh, I don't know if I should even say this. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But they all drew the same. Uh, you can hardly tell mm. their drawings from one another, mm. which was really weird to me. That is it was weird. Really odd. I thought. So this teacher, instead of teaching them to explore and express, you, you need to be accurate, right? Right. Mm -hmm. I have punctuation some periods once in a while. <laughs> but either way, it's the same problem. And uh, these people had been taught by somebody who said this is the right way. Mm -hmm. And the problem with school and education and art and fear is a great book. Um, if you haven't read it. It's a wonderful book, um, very practical. It's about creating and the difficulty. And the subtitles, um, it's called Art and Fear. Oh, I can't think of the subtitle, but it's a good one. It could have been mm -hmm. called Art and, uh, and uh, Courage in Life. 
it could have been that other title they could have used because right. it's really it's challenging you to be courageous, mm-hmm. to live your life full, mm-hmm. um, that you're going to have obstacles in creating and it's going to be difficult. And it was kind of, I remember I, I had a chapter in the book that we'll talk a little more about, uh, Finger Painted Life, mm-hmm. where, um, you know, wh- whoever told you this would be easy. You know, it's, you know. You, you, I don't know. People are really astounded that that you know they think when they see finished art on the wall that was that was or hear a great piece of music or anything, and they think, mm-hmm. "Wow, that was easy probably for them." Mm-hmm. Well, not necessarily. No, because um, everybody has to um, strive and push and shove. Like I'm writing, and this is the fourth book, and I've done three mm-hmm. of them. Ali, mm-hmm. one was actually really published, um, but it's I get better. You know, and I and one of the stories I tell in the, one of the books I wrote was I had a woman come up to me at a, at a uh, art show and they do it all the time. And they come up and they say, well, uh, and this particular woman said, I, I started taking art classes. I said, that's great. <laughs> yeah. She says, I, I'm, I've been working on the same painting for three months. And I said, oh, that's too bad. <laughs> she said, well, why? Because it's got to be in pain and it's probably not very good. <laughs> I was kidding with her, but I wasn't. Oh. And, um, and I said, you should really have at least 10 bad paintings by now. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be struggling on this first one. What made you, th- who told you or made you understand this that you think you're going to be better by working on one painting? When you should be like racing through these as fast as you can to get to understand the medium, mm-hmm. how to do it. Mm-hmm. In writing, I realized it's not about being correct. Um, being correct is really boring. Uh, people do it all the time, mm-hmm. um, but it's not inspiring. Right. It doesn't leave you kind of going, wow, I didn't, I'm thinking about this. I hadn't thought of that before. Right. Um, to me, that's when I read, I want somebody to do that to me. <laughs> so I hope to try to do that when I write, that you're kind of taken off guard sometimes and go, wow, I hadn't thought of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of reasons for stuff, but the teaching part of school is difficult because, and I don't want to offend teachers, um, because they do a great job, but sometimes they have little kingdoms. Mm-hmm. And um, if you'll, when people ask me, this is why I, you know, people ask me, so should I my son go to, to art school or should he just try to be a professional artist? I said, well, is he self-motivated? I said, if he's really self-motivated and you can hold his feet to the fire, then I'd, I'd turn him loose. Mm-hmm. It costs you a lot of money to send him to college. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ones that go to college, I say, you're going to go too slow. I said, every project that you're given, instead of going, I'm just going to work really hard on the one, I'm going to, you know, I said, do three. The one that right. pleases you. Mm-hmm. Just right. your total interpretation. Mm-hmm. Do the one you think is going to get an A. There you go. And look at that as more of a professional challenge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's your client. Right. Um, yeah. So you want to please him. And then a third one, just to, for experimental and fun. Um, Nobody has to see any of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that there was in the Art and Fear book, there was a great analogy of this teacher that was, um, you know, throwing pots. And uh, the class, he said in the very beginning, he said, so I'm going to grade you guys this way. He said, if you want an A, you have to throw 300 pounds of clay. Or, you know, I'm, I can't remember, but just go with me. <laughs> so, so, you know, say it's 300 pounds of clay, which might be too much. I don't know. I never really did that. And, uh, and if you did, uh, and then and you can get a B if you throw 200 and see if you do, you know, and if you're not going to do that, don't be here. But, but his other one was, he said, if you would like, you can turn in one piece to be graded on just one. 
And so people started making these decisions. Well, the people that decided I'm going to get an A by throwing weight, they went at it. Right. Mm -hmm. The people who started thinking about creating the masterpiece mm -hmm. started talking. You know, they weren't working. Mm -hmm. And then they finally started working, and then they, you know, they'd be frustrated or whatever. And they'd, but anyway, in the very end of all things, everybody came to present. Yeah, especially the ones that did the one piece, they came to get right. the prize. And, right. And he said, what was really interesting is that all the people who decided to do the masterpiece weren't as good as the people who threw because the people threw learned right. how to do this. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of artists are like that. They'll, you know, they, they contemplate a lot of things. It's mm -hmm. no, just get to work. Yeah, it's, it's so it's, true. Yeah, it's just the truth. Right. It's true about really all the... You know, just do it. Well, all of, all of the creative lines mm -hmm. can do that yeah the more you do the right <laughs> that's what we're doing we're just doing it just do it, <laughs> do it. Uh, yeah. jump in don't be afraid so you have been in Coeur d'Alene for how long gosh it's 91 wow and what made you leave Hollywood to get up here and why did you choose here well we kind of sub we kind of ran away from the first question a little bit I was always like I said in sports and art Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I happened to meet somebody that we knew that they said they needed models. This was in L.A. I grew up in Orange County. And so the models they had at the time, this was before modeling was kind of cool, mm -hmm. just before it. And so. So you were not a cool model. Yeah, I was cool. <laughs> I'm sure you were no. cool. <laughs> but, you know, right after I got in, it became like mm. a big fun thing. You know? And it was just I was just at the front end of that because the guys that had been a long time made a lot of money. There just weren't that many male models for some reason. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And they'd run out of guys for the younger things like the teen magazines, which is a girlfriend of a friend, um, said they're looking for guys. So we went in, and long story, but I ended up with Nina Blanchard. And that was a funny story, actually. You want to hear a funny story? <laughs> I love hearing we funny love stories. Funny, true story. <laughs> funny so and true. So my friend and I are running around LA. I go to these different places, and you show up at some of these places, and they actually have a um, stack of uh, applications mm -hmm. for you to be a model. Yep. And I thought, no, this is crazy. <laughs> and um, then, of course, they wanted me to spend $500 to get some photos of course. to get you work. Mm -hmm. And we did about three of those, and my friend and I, and we were kind of disappointed with the whole event. And, but the best one was Nina Blanchard, who was actually a um, somewhat partner you know, they, they kind of traded people from L.A. to New York right. with uh, the Ford agency. Mm -hmm. So she was the big dog. And I said, well, let's just go do this last one. Right. So I went in and <laughs> I don't know where I got this kind of stuff, but <laughs> I just showed up. Here's this nice place. <laughs> the girl's there. She says, hi, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I'm looking for jobs. She said, what kind of jobs? I said, I'm modeling jobs. She said, really? She did something. Did say you or no, no. Uh, and, and it was just kind of a weird exchange. Right. Kind of fun. We were having fun. And I was goofing off. And Nina Blanchard happened to be just around the corner. Mm -hmm. it, it never would have happened otherwise. Oh, right. She happened to be around the corner and she heard this kind of ridiculous conversation <laughs> going on. And she had to just see who this was. Right. So she peeks around the corner and she looks at me and I see her and I, I I don't even, I don't, I didn't know who she was. Mm -hmm. She comes out, and now I realize she's Nina. <laughs> she goes, um, you guys are interested in Molly, huh? I said, yeah, yeah, you know, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> and, uh, she said, do you have any pictures? And I said, yeah. And I pulled out my old license. <laughs> 
<laughs> and so this just added to all the kind of nuttiness of the thing. She just laughs. She says, here's what I tell you. Because my friend was, he wasn't, he was Spanish. And he was really kind of a pretty man. He was a Spanish uh-huh. pretty man with kind of big Ooh. lips. And, and, and she said, you'll be exotic to my friend. And she said, but you'd be very commercial. You know, mm-hmm. Kellogg's and all that stuff. So she said, but if you're interested, I would really have to see some pictures. Don't spend any money. <laughs> she said, you might want to lose 10 pounds. <laughs> so both of us were looking at Oh, boy. <laughs> and so, uh, so we lost our weight. And we take pictures of ourselves. It's ridiculous. I came across those. Recently. And so we went back. And see, she was legit. She was like, I don't want to waste my time or your time, and I don't want to spend any money because like, I have no idea. But let's look at them. So I came back, and they, they, she said, well, let's give it a try. She, mm-hmm. You can really, you could do this. It's a little bit to learn, but not much. Mm-hmm. You know, just be, mostly when I model, I pretend I was acting. Right. Yeah. And I wasn't particularly a trained actor. It's just that I just thought, this is the way to do this. Mm-hmm. Instead of, I don't know what else people do, but right. I just pretended I was out on the beach someplace and having fun. Perfect. <laughs> roll camera. Uh, <laughs> and they did. And, and it worked out pretty good. And then I ended up in New York and then I started commercials. And, mm-hmm. But none of these things were really, they were one of those funny things that kind of you were caught in a draft and you're going that mm-hmm. way. So I'm in New York, get um, commercials and stuff. And then um, doing really well as a model mm-hmm. with, with Ford, but I get welcome back Cotter, then I come back to LA, which is really kind of more where I was from, and then um, that was fine. I really thought, you know, once you're done a series, you're in. Right. Yeah, not really. Not really. In the front door all the time. Mm-hmm. And then later on, I got in the, in the side doors kind of with um, Aaron Spelling. Mm-hmm. Put me in a lot of shows to keep me, you know, so I can pay my rent and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I have yeah. family and kids. And yeah. So um, he was really good that way. And I started mm-hmm. two series that he really was part two. And I didn't really have to read for. I was like, I mean, that was. That's nice. That's the only night. That's, that's the only really easy nice. stuff I ever got. You didn't have right. to no. Right. So I got to be a part of a Stanwick and a spinoff from. Uh, Charlie's Angels and, uh-huh. uh, did a show that was short-lived but it was <laughs> we didn't know that Different Strokes was a hit and so we were up against it uh, and everyone's going uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> we spent all this money as a love boat set it in Hawaii Oh, uh-huh. this was kind of based on a, oh. on an island resort with people coming and going so we'd have Jonathan Winters and Oh yeah, right. Bulger. So I got to work with a lot of cool oh, awesome. Ralph Bellamy. A lot of the oh, older fun. actors that are mm-hmm. really interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, Olivia de Havilland. Uh, oh, nice. So I mean, just Scored. kind of yeah, it's just a fun thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I never really liked acting because I never felt like an actor. Mm-hmm. I always felt like I was pretending to be <laughs> right. an actor. Right. Right. And I was very anxious all the time. I just like yeah. Yeah. Wasn't your thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, but just, it, yeah. And then you, Coeur d'Alene just happened. I went to school in Pocatello. Oh, you Pocatello did? State. Yeah, just for one year on a water uh-huh. scholarship. They had federal money for a few years. And everybody <laughs> I knew in Southern California had, I'd be guys from Newport Harbor and Laramie and stuff like that. Like, oh, wow. Well, I just took the scholarship. I'm scanning and stuff. You know, that's right. pretty much what I was doing. And I lived in the art department in those that year. Mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. I just go up to that floor and go, I even took jewelry and, you know, I took all kinds of stuff and yeah. music. I played some piano. And, mm-hmm. But I never took anything I was supposed to. Mm-hmm. So I never graduated because I just thought, well, I don't really want to teach per se, at least in the school system. And, Mm-hmm. I couldn't think of any other reason to get a degree at the time, so mm-hmm. right. I just moved on. Uh, 
and end up doing the acting. I mean, I always figured something was going to happen. Um, I feel that way even now. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be who I was. Right. The last year since, you know, I, I just would prefer to try to, to move forward and, and keep evolving, evolving. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. and, New and passions. Acting, yeah. And acting was not my passion. That's what was funny. So I have mm -hmm. friends who are actors and it's, yeah. they're very passionate. You have to be passionate about it. I would think. Yeah, I mean, you have to be passionate about anything that you love to yeah. do, want to do. Yeah. I think. It can be a tough life. And then I had right. a fun one. Um, you know, I worked with Ellen. Yeah. Travolta in mm -hmm. uh, a pilot with Maria Osmond. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and I got to know Jack better, of course. But, mm -hmm. uh, so that was all fun back in the day. And then I think she came on set of Welcome Back, Cotter, maybe a couple times. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. Um, and she was on the show. She had a role on the show. I can't remember what it was, to be honest. I don't really? Know. Yeah, she, huh. I think she had a small role as a teacher or some, something. Something. Yeah. I cannot remember what it is, actually. Mm -hmm. But yeah, we've always had fun. And of course, I did MAME here. Right. Mm -hmm. With you. Oh, no, I wasn't in it. I was oh. working on the Mississippi Queen, and Stu was in it, oh, one yeah. of the chorus boys. Yeah. And so <laughs> my husband was working with you. That's when I met you. So yeah, that was exactly. whatever year that was. That would have been probably right. 95, 7. Yeah, it would have been around 95. I don't know. It was in that 95. Yeah, somewhere in there. I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't remember exactly. It was exactly. fun, but I was yeah. scared to. Yeah. Because I never sang publicly. Yeah. Oh. You did a great job. Though. Never did. Was your character named Beauregard? Beauregard. Beauregard. <laughs> yeah. Welcome back, Kyle. He's from. He's from. Welcome Ireland. back, Kyle. That's right. He's from Ireland. Right. He was just a. He was such a cute little little thing yeah. with the what did they call those guys the the, the, the sweat hogs the sweat hogs yeah and you did not fit with the sweat hogs you were I wasn't supposed to though. yeah right I don't yeah. think you were but, but it was it really fit. cute I really didn't fit anyway <laughs> <laughs> I mean John was really nice and a lot of guys were nice but yeah it took a while and yeah it, and it, mm -hmm. it was their show was how long were you on it just one season just, just one. the one oh. season the last season of the show yeah I was trying and to John did eight shows that year. Just oh. to keep from everybody suing each other. They yeah. Shows. Oh, uh -huh. It was yeah. funny, but nobody, you know, he was a big movie star. Yeah. But it didn't raise our ratings because they didn't really, that group didn't really care for Vinny. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they're like, nope, yeah, bring on like, the movie they, they want the movie star. Yeah. And, uh, huh. So he didn't really help him, but it was fun working with John. He was great. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, it was, it was a very interesting time. I remember the first time that I, you know, this live audience, and I really never... I never did much stage or anything. I was one of these guys that just kind of showed up. And I remember the door was going to open and all these guys were going to come into the principal's office and kind of say hello. And it was the first time I was going to be on camera. Mm -hmm. And I thought I was, I thought we were going to throw open the door. I was just going to throw up. And I was so upset. How am I going to get through this? This is going to be hard. I really, really. Yeah, I, I can't like, even oh imagine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, acting for me was kind of a segue, and it was fine. Mm -hmm. I would have done art right away, but I didn't really think uh, that you could make a living at it. Yeah. I really didn't. Uh, when yeah. did the gallery happen? Was that? Well, the gallery is an offshoot from gift stores. Okay. I tried to get out of acting a few times. Mm -hmm. I designed children's headboards and had a wood business oh. in California and had it, mostly, had it represented in nationwide mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, it was all illegal all that. Oh. <laughs> well, I, mean, I was working out in my garage and then I had a, oh. I didn't have all the stuff you're supposed to have for a wood shop if I burned down the complexes I, I would have been up, up uh, the creek yeah so I finally said well that's not making no money do that so I started a gift store 
Mm. And I made stuff for the gift store. That's mm -hmm. when all ducks and all that stuff was popular. So. Okay. So I designed a lot of stuff to go in. I remember because you were in the in yeah. in the plaza shops. Yeah. And I yeah. always built those out. I built all that out downstairs. And I, used uh -huh. to, I came up thinking if nothing else worked, I would do antique reproductions. Mm -hmm. Because I can do that and it's fun. And I'm more whimsical than some of the people that are serious, you know. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm going to put... Doors that open this way, they have cupboards in them. Right. They don't work. None of it works. It's just that they're there. Right. Cool. It looks like something's going to happen. It's not. What's behind the door? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah. So I like just that kind of. That's fun. fun. Yeah. Right. So I figured I could do stuff that other people wouldn't. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now you're writing. So tell us about yeah. your book. Yeah, we'd like to hear. You have four books out right now, and you have Just one. Finishing the last one. Yes. Uh huh. This is my third with you. I know Allie. it's been fun. What do you do on them, Allie? I'm his graphic designer. I lay the book out according to what he's his vision is, and we work on it together. Mm -hmm. You know, I kind of have ideas. Yeah. A lot of them are pretty solid, but sometimes, you know, you really show something, they go, oh, okay, I hadn't thought of that. Mm -hmm. I'm always open to mm -hmm. having a better idea. It's been a fun collaboration. Yeah. 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 So the first one was Creative Creator, which was a coffee table book, mm -hmm. kind of self-promotion book, um, down to the last hundred books of that. Mm -hmm. They kind of got expensive, but um, but it, it's a nice book. Mm -hmm. And and the thing that I've always noticed about my art and about my writing is is even as we let this last one go, is that's the best I can do. Mm. It doesn't mm. mean it could be better. Right. <laughs> it doesn't mean anything like that. It just means that that's the best that I can do today. Right. Mm -hmm. I hope to be better tomorrow. Right. right. But if I keep thinking I'm going to not do something because I'm afraid of not being... Well, it's kind of like tomorrow. it's kind of like the woman with the painting that she kept working on yes. the painting. At some point, you just got to say, let it "Go, this is you it." Gotta yeah, let it go. yeah. And so, and then I did that. And the one that I did get published was actually a Christian book called "Deepest Thanks, Deeper Apologies," mm -hmm. and that was out of Nashville. And they did all right, but they didn't promote it, and it was kind of sink or swim. And a new artist, it's like, mm -hmm. and then I don't control it anymore, so I'm not excited about publishers anymore. Mm -hmm. And now with everything that's going on, I'm going to probably try to self-publish. Self um, yeah, self-promote self mm -hmm. and okay. self-publish. Mm -hmm. The promotion's the trick part. Yeah. yeah. Because, man, if you don't get some traction right away, it's like, yeah. on to the next. And then the whole book industry is really struggling because nobody really does books anymore. And mm -hmm. I do. I love books. I, I do, too. I just like I love the feel hard cover. We're a little older. Mm -hmm. We are. Older. Darn it. <laughs> we got to train those young'uns. <laughs> so then the one that I did in the interim was just, I just needed to get out of my head, but it was called Finger Painted Life. Mm -hmm. and maybe I I'll read something oh, I would love it if you you read us a little excerpt so from it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so that one's really 26 or nine letters. Mm -hmm. from a younger artist to an older artist and it's kind of weird because it's kind of like me mm -hmm. to me yeah so it's just kind of banter doesn't it also feature some artwork by your grandkids oh yeah mm -hmm. no, I mean no. part of the whole principle of being a finger painted life I'll read the back of that actually let me read it yeah. real quick because this, yes. this is really kind of cool I forgot about this list so this is on the back of the book so it says what would you look like finger painted the finger-painted life is confidently humble, fearlessly hopeful. It competes for itself, not against others. Finger-painters never become who they are and never remain who they shouldn't be. Finger-painted people are more poets than novelists, 
who are still enough to feel wonder, slow enough to appreciate awe. They live a life in a day instead of a day in a life, and they experience everyday magic as real and opaque, and grow by giving, not by taking. They consider themselves future people who question their answers and routinely improve their weaker questions. They don't look for courage from others. They offer hope that looks like courage. Finger-painted living beholds and creates beauty for the sake of others. It notices the beauty that openly hides in flowers and people, a beauty that is nowhere and everywhere at the same time. We leave our art wherever we go. Every one of us is created to create unique masterpieces of our lives. How's it going? Nice. You know what? I love live a life. Life in a day. Life in a day, not a day in the life. Yeah. Right. I could have stolen that, but I don't care. I don't care. I don't think so. I like it. I think that's brilliant. That's lovely. I've heard people say that. I love it. Yes. And I love your, yes. Is quality fresh roasted coffee a vital part of your morning ritual? Do you own a burr grinder? Is pour over your preferred brew method? If you've answered yes to these questions, then I'd like to introduce you to North Idaho's newest specialty coffee roaster, Tubbs Coffee Roasters. Founded on simple pleasures but defined by a complex process, Tubbs Coffee Roasters is a unique addition to the local coffee scene offering crafted house blends and single origin whole bean coffees of exotic varietals and unique processing methods. We invite you to visit our website, tubscoffeeroasters.com, for our latest roast selections, current and relevant operational information, and links to our social media. Tubbs Coffee Roasters, globally sourced, locally roasted. I like that we're talking about the books more. We'll get back yeah. to your paintings too, right. and your style. Yeah. But um, so, finger painted life, and what's the next book about? Um, this one's more of a allegory. It's kind of a Christian allegory. Mm -hmm. uh, it's called "Where the Road Turns to Water," and it's kind of based on a poem. It was a pretty frustrated part of life for me. It was like mm -hmm. life wasn't going well. Faith was difficult. Mm -hmm. it, you know, religion was a little confusing mm -hmm. so a lot of things were going on in my own life and, right. um, so I was pretty dissatisfied with things mm -hmm. but um, but the idea was I was in a car and I was driving on this road for hours and there was water in front of me and I kept getting right next to it and then it just <laughs> go away and I would do this you know for hours uh -huh. I thought wow yeah, what if that's real so it was kind of the idea that someday that's real mm -hmm. and so in this allegory we all arrive on the, on the shore of uh, heaven and, and earth looking more like looting pirates than souls searching for them. <laughs> scavengers searching for their soul. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of an allegory, kind of maybe like a, a Pilgrim's Progress maybe or something like that. But it's just kind of a, it's, it's, it's really fun because I really haven't written fiction before. Oh. Mm -hmm. and, um, and a great quote I love is this, the difference between fiction and nonfiction is that fiction has to make sense. <laughs> you like that? That's yeah, good. Yeah, that's how you know. I, said it. I, thought, I like it. Hey, that's the truth. Well, life is just so yeah. weird. Right. And, yeah, um, so to try to, yeah, fiction supposed to tie it. But in either way, it's really a fun story. And it's about an adventurer, a soldier, and he's on an adventure. And he ends up on the shore. And he's a little surprised. Mm -hmm. He arrives thinking he's pretty godly. And it's like, uh oh. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't think it through. Mm. What uh, what could gold buy on the shore of heaven? Mm. Mm -hmm. Who would barter diamonds in God's presence? 
know, only a fool. And here I am. <laughs> Pick me. So it's kind of, you know, hey, kind of, it's a little bit of me. Mm -hmm. A lot of mm -hmm. me, maybe. And um, so that's that. It's really fun. It's a fun read, I think, but it's mm -hmm. also kind of a challenging read. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's, it's not as broad as, say, Painted Life was kind of meant to be open mm -hmm. to the art world, whereas this one, it's a, yeah, I don't know how many people will like it that uh, don't like God mm -hmm. in a way. Um, or challenge themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. This is a challenge to yourself to read it, I think. <laughs> oh, gosh, I do that. And it'll be, it'll be released in probably, I don't know, maybe maybe three months. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That. yeah. yeah. I think you said 10, 10 weeks. 10 weeks, something so like that. So we should that. have mm -hmm. it. And the design is really neat. That's, Excited to see great. it. It's going to yeah, be fun. Really yeah. Cool. Do you have like a, a book signing? Yeah, I thought maybe it would be fun to do a reading. Uh-huh. That'd be great. And, um, you know, do you want me to read this a little bit? Yeah. yeah. This read. is just a little bit from this, and then we'll move on to some other stuff. But this is something that I've shared before. I actually shared it at a cancer group one time. Because um, it's called Fearless Hope. Mm -hmm. And uh, Fearless Hope is what I see a lot of cancer patients do. Mm -hmm. uh, they're pretty amazing as a crew um and, and so anyway but this was also and you know if you look closely into the speaker you'll see my my grandson's your grandson's yeah. artwork I love it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> put on your glasses and, uh, so anyway this is this is a letter two and there's like 26 letters or something and this one's letter two and this is sort of like me to me kind of thing so dear friend is um like the older guy talking to the younger guy mostly, I think. So feel this hope, the honest parts. Dearest friend, finger-painted lies are the blessings of children. Yesterday I was watching my four-year-old grandson, an abstract artist, paint. He was fearless, but he didn't know he was fearless, or that I was envious as I watched him. Without a care and with great joy, the paint flew to the canvas and was given his permission to run and play with all the other colors. I thought I heard them singing. And I could imagine them skipping, holding hands, and giggling like children do. The creative innocence of a young child doesn't need courage. He hasn't learned to fear yet. But we adults, having lost ours, need new courage to face our newly learned fears. Young children are abstract artists until they are taught to draw trees and houses and stick people. I currently have six grandchildren. When they visit Papa, we paint. I've watched every one of them begin their art careers as abstract artists. I must admit that I don't always get the ideas behind some adult abstract art, but I always appreciate the freedom that abstract expression affords the creator. It makes me ask the questions. Are their abstract paintings more honest than my Impressionism? Do I have my own prejudice, imagining that my Impressionism is more soulful than realism? We find words nearly useless when it comes to conveying our deepest emotions and truest truths. Maybe abstract art is the opportunity of seeing a soul without the confusion of trying to overly explain it with the impressions of a tree or a house or a stick figure. Maybe this is just another one of life's odd lessons showing us how to see more with less understanding. Perhaps if you were a little freer in your art, it would say more, not less. Are parts more truthful than the whole in our paintings or in our lives? I think absolutely yes in both. There will always be parts of us that are truer than the rest. Some parts of us have always made more sense than the whole of us. People consider me an impressionist, but I have secretly known for years that I'm an abstract painter, sometimes an abstract thinker as well. 
if you take any two-inch square section from anything I've ever painted, it's clearly an abstract painting. <laughs> and with larger paintings, there are always hundreds of those little abstracts that have all been stitched together. I know it's true of me, and I see it daily in people. Everyone is made up of little abstracts that have all been stitched together. You can see the stitches, even the tears, if you're curious and compassionate. Friend, don't be discouraged. If you only be true and fearless to your smallest parts, the whole picture of you will come together in time, you'll see. I recently watched a chorus of young people singing. I was so moved that silent tears fell as I swallowed back sobs. They were so beautiful and full of light. I thought it was their innocence that moved me. But after considering, I realized it was their fearless hope that made me cry. It's not fearless innocence that we need for living, but fearless hope. Innocence is too naive and not suited for reality. Only hope has the grit to face real life. Make sure your life and art includes fearless hope in its composition. It must be there, like the solid foundation to a house or earth to the sky. We can't compete with children, but we'd be fools not to learn from them. If canvas were paper and paint words, then the paintings of four-year-olds tell the most honest stories. The unconscious humming as they play, the most truthful music, the wonder in their eyes, the most beautiful things ever said. Be childlike, not innocent, not naive, but fear, fearlessly hopeful, my best. Ah, oh, that was great. That is so yeah. fun. Yeah, that's yeah, really that's cool. So great. And that kind of brings me back to your your um the impressionism that you do. So tell us a little bit about what influenced your paintings. Well, you know, you really should try to paint like the people you like best. Mm -hmm. Who are your favorite artists? Originally, it was Monet. I love Monet. Yeah, I kind of went to Soraya. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of Americans don't know him, but he's a Spanish mm -hmm. version of John Singer Sargent, mm -hmm. kind of. Uh, same mm -hmm. period of time, almost. Uh, and Zorn, out of Sweden. Uh, they're kind of the darlings of a lot of artists. Um, uh, they just had a way. Uh, mm -hmm. They were so good. Sargent mm -hmm. was so good. And people think of him more in a kind of a realistic way, but he's just not. Mm -hmm. If you ever see any of his work and you get up close enough, mm -hmm. it's just not. And you know, right. just I was in Seattle once and I heard the the guy giving the tour talk to this class. He says, This took months to do and I'm going, No, it didn't. <laughs> and I just want to challenge sometimes. Right. Yeah. And I said, Okay. Well, it's this whole a whole arm. It's done almost in one sweep, and you can't do that without sweeping. Right. You can't go. Right. So you loaded this brush powerfully and masterfully, and mm. twisted it and turned it, and the blues, you know, everything was in where it was, mm -hmm. and you left it. Mm. And you know, you, you, I remember seeing him. I was in Boston, and he has this family. I can't tell the family's name, but the vase is probably five feet tall, or at least. Then his family in the big sitting room, the painting's probably eight feet by mm. 15 feet. Right. And when you first walk in, it just says, looks like everything's real. Like that's, you see the cracks on this varnish and stuff right. on this vase. And, mm -hmm. and, but you get close and at a certain point, everything disappears. Mm. And then at that point, they would let you get pretty close. And they'd stop yeah. that. And yeah, right. Yeah. But I remember I would walk up and then I'd walk back. And at a certain point, everything just disappeared. And the, there was no crack on the vase. This is weird. It's 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 weird because it was really literally yeah, that one close. foot. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> right. It happened. I kept doing that. And people were probably looking at me like this. <laughs> but um, it was baffling. And, and then you get close enough and you realize... There's nothing here on this giant big vase. 
that was all beautifully and ornate, except some squiggly cobalt mm. and a big dollop of kind big thick mole of white paint stuck on it right where the highlight was and it had some yellow and a little pink and kind of it was just the weirdest thing huh. and it was so amazing to see it up close i don't think people understand it i know he was the greatest impressionist for instance mm -hmm. singer sergeant was just outrageous mm. he was so far ahead of so many mm -hmm. But yeah, I've, I've, I've tracked along those lines and I've tried to copy people that I liked and then try to find your own way in it. Mm -hmm. um, so I've taken little bits and pieces uh, from anybody that I liked. And I'd like to know more. I'm about ready to launch into painting again. I just don't want to be who I was. Right. <laughs> I, I don't know that. what that's going to be. <laughs> well, but that's what makes it so exciting. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a new adventure with, and yeah. expl exploring. And it gives you the energy to do it. Mm -hmm. um, it takes a lot of effort. Mm -hmm. uh, people have no I remember um, you know George Carlson mm -hmm. here in town I remember years and years ago when we talked and he used to go sketch and stuff and he said you know I can only really create about four or five hours a day and back then he was probably younger than I am now mm -hmm. he said if I do more than that I just get sick mm -hmm. and I know that I've pushed myself too hard too long mm -hmm. for like a show or something you know mm -hmm. when I used to work really hard at it and I'd be sick Mm -hmm. I get like flu-like symptoms. I have to go to bed, right? Because it was exhaustion. Yeah. And so you can you can paint longer than that four or five hours, but you didn't you didn't steal anything. You didn't mm -hmm. get anything at a bargain. Mm -hmm. You paid. You're gonna pay for it. Yeah. Right. So you can only do so much. You know, there's only so much energy in our lives, and and if you try to take it from the next day, it's, it's uh, it'll take a toll. Mm -hmm. I think. Hmm. Yeah. I have a, a, a really funny story that um, uh, when Kevin and I, my husband Kevin and I were dating, we went over to Seattle to the, it was a relatively new, the the um, Sam, yeah. the Seattle Art Museum, yeah. and they had an impression, a really great impressionist exhibit. It was the William S. Paley collection. Mm -hmm. And so we went and we went through this and saw all this amazing art. We were absolutely exhausted when we came out of there. Mm -hmm. And um, Kevin looks at me and he goes, wow, I've never been to an art gallery before. And I said, well, honey, it's all downhill from here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we should really spend more time looking at masters. Um, mm -hmm. It's okay to express yourself, but some of the expression is... I mean, I, yeah, I shouldn't even say that probably, but I am. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, well, I mean, there's some disciplines involved. There's yeah. craftsmanship that's important. There's right. a lot of things. It's like, you know, just, just you know. And, and it's okay if if you want to just do whatever you want, but you don't necessarily get to make me like it. Right. Either. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of artists sometimes think, well, I put my heart and soul in it. You have to like it. It's like, no, I don't. Right. And, until, you know, and then if you're ever going to think about doing this as a profession, which is a whole different thing that we've been talking about to be mm -hmm. honest right then you realize for me to make money at this i have to produce a product that somebody's going to buy mm -hmm. now that's a huge compromise to an artist's soul um it's one that really is in conflict with the creator mm -hmm. so it's it's and it doesn't go away yeah it's not like you figured it out it's just that you do better with it sometimes than others mm -hmm. but you know 
you work with a gallery and I started painting lots of pianos because I'd send them five paintings and two of them were pianos. They'd sell the two pianos. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. landscape and the other thing. And it's like, no, we need more pianos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We keep doing pianos and pretty soon you're going, I don't want to do another more. I don't want to do any more pianos. Right. Enough with the pianos. Yeah. And, you know, so your success will lock you in. Mm-hmm. And even success, say, in acting does that to a lot of people. If you're really good as a good guy, you end up a good guy. Yeah. If you're really good as a bad guy, you play bad guys the rest of your career, maybe. Yeah. yeah. It's rare for people to bounce back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's true. So where can people um, see your art now? Well, originally, the original works are in the Blackwell Gallery. Mm-hmm. And then prints are up at Mix It Up. Oh, good. That's um, nice. Yeah. yeah. Finger Painted Life is available, and I mm-hmm. think Creative Creators in both places. Mm-hmm. The new one will come out, mm-hmm. um, you know, in a little bit. And it's, it's really pretty. It's got, it's got some Hawaiian paintings on it that I really like. Mm-hmm. So I love painting Hawaii. I, should I bet. Pursue that again. <laughs> well, it's, it's, yeah, I got to go over there. <laughs> I love your I love your paintings from uh, the Amalfi Coast. Mm-hmm. Those are so cool. They're pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, I tried to talk him into doing a mural in my house for me. <laughs> he says, well, we have to do it on a canvas so you can take it with you. And I'm like, no, I want it right on the wall. <laughs> yeah. No, you don't want to do that. I've done it before. I think, you know, you know, it happens all the time but in, in, in other ways. But I think this really big thing with spray cans and stuff from, from my grandson. And it had a big sticker, like a, not a Maserati, but something mm-hmm. like a Maz. You know. Busting through bricks and coming through. Mm-hmm. Well, two years later, they sell the house. He's grown up. Yeah, he's right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I gotta paint that over. Can we do something <laughs> different, okay. Grandpa? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> love you, love you, Papa. <laughs> uh, but, you know that happens, and you know sometimes you really do want to be conscious of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things change so fast. Mm-hmm. Every time you think it's, you know, it's nothing's permanent. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> it just isn't. Right. So where do you where do you want to be in the next couple of years? Where you... mm. Wow. Well, that's a big question. That you is know, a big I, question. I would rather, I, you know, what's interesting about writing, mm-hmm. and I think we're going to talk some about that. Maybe is, you know, writing is interesting. Um, painting's neat. Mm-hmm. I have some people that actually come in and actually cry. Wow. Painting sometimes. Um, that's really neat. That's mm-hmm. moving their move. And that, right. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, though, is it moves you. When you have an emotional reaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Art pretty can special. move you. Mm-hmm. Thought can change you. Mm-hmm. Oh, and nice. So, you know, if you only had so much time in your life and you were budgeting, you'd go, well, how do I want to spend it? Mm-hmm. You know, I would rather spend it um, opening thought. Mm-hmm. Because I think thought is is um, the pivot point. Mm-hmm. Like um, you know, uh, a theologian. Gosh, what was his name? Ah, oh, he's a real famous guy. He's dead now, but he, he was a he was a philosopher, Swiss guy, and but he was just talking about you know the history of art, mm-hmm. and where we come from, and, and one of his conclusions I thought was really fascinating was he said, you know, when things come down the pipe in the art. This is what art reflects it. So first things come. Nietzsche comes and God died. And then mm-hmm. you got Picasso and you got this dissonant music and things follow suit. But but he said the first thing came was the thought. And and so all throughout time, the thoughts, philosophies come first, 
the music amplifies them, mm-hmm. the arts record them, mm-hmm. and and so they follow. Thoughts lead, thoughts lead, and I think that's um, you know. If you, so if you could really uh, encourage people to be creative and to mm-hmm. live eyes wide open and mm-hmm. you know pedal to the metal a bit, I know it's you know. It's a good life, yeah, right? It's, it's, that's the way to go. Mm-hmm. It really is. Right. So, yeah. That's awesome. Did you know that right here in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, we have one of the nation's premier anti-bullying programs for students? Since 2006, Stu Cabe and the Ovation Company has been helping students and educators reach their full potential by following this simple philosophy. Work hard, play fair, be kind. For more information on how to make your school a kinder place, visit www.ovationcompany.com. So I think uh, that Steve is also planning to be on the Artist Studio Tour at the end of August. Yeah. So that's another place that you can go see him, not only not only see his work, but see him maybe do an in-action. With in a little, action. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, we tried to do it last year. It didn't work yeah. out. Yeah. But, you know, life keeps moving. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it sure great. does that, doesn't it? <laughs> I just saw Jurassic Park and Goldblum saying, life finds a way. <laughs> it was an odd year. Right. We yep. know that. <laughs> well, we have enjoyed having you here so, so much. Nice. Yeah. I loved the fact that you read from your book. That was awesome. Me I love that a little bit. And fearless mm-hmm. hope is what we all need. You <laughs> bet. Really oh, now more than ever, I think. Yeah. Right. That's so true. Yep. Yeah. Well, so, thank well, thanks so for being here. And um, hope all. The book goes well. Can't wait to read it. And yeah, I'll come back and visit. Yes. That would be great. We'll yeah. promote yeah. the heck out of it. Yeah, you can come yeah. read from the new one. Yeah. yeah. That would be cool. That's a fun passage. mostly self-revealing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm mostly the fool. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. I'm the fool every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again. Yep. Thanks. You take care. It's a pleasure to be with you guys. Yeah. Well, so, meanwhile, I'm Allie. And I'm Callie. And we're with the Coeur Arts and Culture Alliance. And whatever you do today, make sure it's creative. We love creativity. Yes, we do. <laughs>